1: We're talking rookie wide receivers on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Matt, the draft is just days away. You've been putting in a gargantuan effort with the amount of draft coverage that you've put out. It's gonna be a very different draft this year. Does that make you more or less excited for the 2020 draft?
0: Uh, probably more excited. I mean, I think it's going to be one that we all remember, you know, like years from now, we'll remember it as like the Corona draft. Um, <laughs> whereas, you know, like years, I can't really even remember like what happened three years ago with the draft. You know what I mean? But like, right. I feel like we're all going to remember the Corona
1: draft. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting, uh, especially we saw some of the pictures going around this week of, of GMs and their setups at home. Um, so. I don't know, it, it's going to be a, like the coverage of it, I have to imagine, is going to be a little bit uh, different, um, which is going to make the whole thing that more unique. Um, nonetheless, though, I think there's a lot of like really exciting players and I'm going to be curious to see where they go uh, before we get into talking through this class of wide receivers where there's a couple of names that um you know we've heard about uh, the jets and the raiders eyeing some of these receivers um i'm really interested to see where they land but before we talk about them let's take a quick word uh from our sponsor bet online with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution all right matt explain to me why cd lamb isn't the best receiver in this class (laughs) i want to hear your reasoning here why is it jerry judy um well i guess do you disagree with me that's the start there i guess we'll start here with i think that it's perfectly fine to To have Jerry Judy as your number one, I think it's pretty close between him and C.D. Lamb. I actually do in the end side a little bit more with C.D. Lamb. Um, But I think that I mean, really similar players um, in many respects, if you're looking at the production, very similar in age, very similar freak scores. I think they both had a freak score of 52, Um, you know, their dominator ratings, uh goes a little bit more towards lamb but you know he wasn't playing with the receivers like judy was um you know a few more touchdowns judy a little bit less again you can explain some of that because he's at alabama um the only real well I mean, the freshman season, Lamb, 800 yards, seven touchdowns, dominator of 17. You still had a dominator of 15 for Judy as a freshman, only 264 yards, two touchdowns. But again, some of that might do with the players around them. So, I, you know, really, to me, they're very similar. I just kind of end up siding with Lamb a little bit more than Judy. But what was it that pushed you over the edge on Judy?
0: Yeah. uh, A few things. So I can totally see the case for why someone would want lamb. And at this point before we know their landing spot or uh, like draft position or anything like that, I think it's pretty close to coin flip. But uh, what pushes me a little more towards Judy uh, would be a couple of things. One, like I think he has a style of play that matches his body and that those two things like converge fine for his NFL future. But, uh, CD lamb, I think plays more like a bully. Mm-hmm. Like he plays more like he's Deandre Hopkins, but, uh, he's only 198 pounds. Right. And Deandre Hopkins was 214 pounds. De- Devonte Adams was 212 pounds. Like they were both a little bit shorter. Like they're just they're stronger, they're thicker, they're more muscular, like they can actually play like bullies in the NFL. CeeDee Lamb is literally built like Tyler Boyd (laughs) and you don't see Boyd like pushing people around. Like, I don't, I don't think that Lamb's style of play translates to him having success in the NFL with the way that he is built that doesn't mean that like he can't sort of adapt his game and he can't do like some of the Hopkins-esque things that like we see him do in college I but like we just don't see guys who are like 6'2 on 198 pounds who have like that body type have all that much success in the NFL I guess we just don't see many of those types of guys in general in the NFL so I don't know like I'm I'm going to say like a guy who's 21 years old and who was super productive in college like who's going to be a first round pick like that guy's likely to have success so it's not as if like I'm bumping lamb down all that far in my rankings I still have him as the number two wide receiver but You know, ultimately, like Judy was a Bolitnikoff winning receiver. He's going to be a first rounder. He's 21 years old. He had the higher recruitment rating entering college. I don't know if Lamb did enough in college to make me think that uh, the edge that Judy had entering college has been overcome now that they're exiting college.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, I think that's perfectly fair. Like I said, for me, it actually is really close. Um And I have been spending the last couple of nights kind of doing some charting on Judy, watching some film, just trying to get a better sense of, you know, what his separation might look like, how far he's normally being targeted downfield and whatnot. And, you know, I mean, that's been pretty impressive. Um, So here's the question, though, about Judy, his style of play being roughly the same size as Lamb, but a little bit smaller. Do you think that he can fill a void for a team as being like a true number one type of wide receiver the player that's going to be used all over the field drawing the hardest coverage from the defense
0: maybe I mean I think the he feels like more of a sort of like Calvin Ridley type of player to me Mm -hmm. as a like I think he feels like someone who is probably best as a really high-end number two but uh think of like Reggie Wayne like sometimes those guys can kind of become like a number one and um, like, I would think Antonio Brown kind of started his career that way uh, as someone who didn't seem like a, a number one type of receiver, but kind of developed into that. And I think Judy has that type of that type of game. So even though he's smaller than um, smaller than lamb, like he gets his usage by separating Like he's just a superior route runner and he just gets open because that's what he does. And he doesn't need to be super physical and able to, to be able to do that. Whereas like Lamb, I think, isn't as good of a route runner. And so he needs to be more physical to be able to get his receptions. I just don't know if that works as well in the NFL.
1: Yeah. You know, the other thing that I've liked about Judy going back and looking at some of the plays that he made is he has a pretty good ability, even if he gets a screen and he's like four or five yards back. He still does a great job of getting back to the line of of scrimmage. And then from there, like generally breaking one tackle, making a nice move up uh, like along the sideline and at least picking up like four or five yards. And there's a lot of times where it looks like there's not that much room and he still ends up picking up a first down on a screen pass. So um, there are certainly things to like him. Now, I don't think that you and I have talked that much about Justin Jefferson. I actually have him um, ranked third in my wide receiver rankings in terms yeah. of where you think that he can go in the draft, and I know you've been spending a lot of time working on mocks, do you think that um, he's being valued correctly? How much do you like him? And then in comparison to where you expect him to go, does it make sense?
0: Um, I mean, I think he's going to go as the third or fourth wide receiver off the board. I think that's appropriate. I have him, like you, ranked as the uh, number three yep. rookie receiver for fantasy. Um, and there's not much to dislike about him. Uh, I mean, I you could say like he had to play a lot in the slot and maybe you could sort of write off some of his production because uh, it coincided with Joe Burrow's ascension. Uh, and so you could maybe think like, it doesn't mean as much, but he was super productive. He still was very good last year. Uh, he can play inside and outside, you know, in 2018, he was primarily uh, a perimeter receiver, I think he has the ability to line up all over the field. I mean, he's 6'1", 202 pounds, so he's not like a small guy. He's certainly athletic enough with the 4.43 40 time. Um, I think he's actually a good all-around football player. He's not like super physical as a receiver, but like how many slot receivers really are, you know, so I I like him quite a bit.
1: Yeah, me too. I think the other interesting thing about Jefferson is if you look at a lot of advanced metrics, um, like percentage of catchable targets that have gone his way and different things like that, he does really well. So I I I really like Jefferson. I hope he lands in a good spot. Um, let's talk about G- yes. Let's <laughs> okay. no no. Let's talk about rugs. Okay, you just want to see. Oh wait. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Talk to me about rugs. We we have to talk about rugs. Okay. I mean he's, you know he's the guy,
0: like he, he's the guy who this year is like the most polarizing. Um, and so I feel like we have to talk about him every show. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I, I kind of have this theory of, all right, what do you think? Okay. I'll just, instead of framing it like a question, I'll yep. just say, I think that um, too many like numbers-based analysts focus on production to Mm -hmm. the exclusion of everything else yep and i think part of it is that uh like production
1: is super important (laughs) excuse me yep (laughs) was that a sneeze that was a sneeze or a a nuclear weapon no that was Uh, that was nothing man i i have a um odd kind of thing in which generally if i sneeze i sneeze four or five times and these things are loud um yeah so consider yourself lucky that i did not do that right into the mic it's too
0: bad that your microphone doesn't have a mute button on it
1: well um (laughs) yeah uh you know you're just gonna have to gonna have to live without this is a professional grade (laughs) mic i'm speaking so for anybody that's into stuff i'm speaking into a shure sm7b uh so Uh don't knock my mic uh don't knock my mic there matthew
0: okay all right so uh rugs. Yep. Uh, I think part of the thing is that, um, number space analysts are super focused on production and they don't, I don't know, maybe I'm just projecting or something, but like, I don't know if they fully appreciate like what production is like production is not like a, a means unto itself. Uh, it's a proxy for everything else that predicts what a guy is going to do in the NFL. So uh, if a guy is super productive in college, it probably means that he's young. It probably means that he enters the NFL as an underclassman. It probably means that he was a four or five star recruit. It probably means that he's got a good athletic profile. Like it probably means a lot of other things. And if there's a guy who has all of those other things, but doesn't have the production, maybe he's still going to be productive in the NFL because he has all of the other things that uh, production is kind of the signifier for.
1: I see what you're saying. Um, and I think that the way I approached this with rugs, so I have him four in my rankings. Some of that has to do with the production. Some of that has to do with the other players going. But like, like you said, I think that in general. Sorry, okay, sorry, yeah. to, sorry to interrupt. Yep.
0: Do you begrudgingly have him ranked four?
1: No, I don't. Because okay. I think that once you get past rugs, there's a lot of players they like, for example, Denzel Mims has a lot going for him, but there are some red flags, uh, you know, a player like, you know, um, Jalen Rager, right? He has some red f- flags too um Uh there's things that you can worry about so rugs i don't really have it as begrudging and one of those main reasons for it is though the overall production might not be where you want it to be i think it's harder to find a single team where you can understand some of that decreased production coming from and then also i think the different thing with rugs is we saw him as a freshman come into alabama 19 yards per reception only 229 yards, but still at six touchdowns, a receiving dominator of 21. That is some nice early production for me now. You know, he didn't keep pace with um, Jerry Judy for the rest of the, you know, the rest of his career, but he also has the speed, which is important, which interestingly enough, you know, for some receivers, that doesn't always mean they're going to be successful. But I guess when you put this all together, um, I still think he's a good enough of a prospect that you can understand how there might be a pretty high ceiling for him. Perhaps you can't put him ahead of a guy like Lamb or a Judy that has you know some outstanding traits in their own right and has the production, but I wouldn't say it's begrudgingly.
0: Okay. It's interesting. I mean, I think like we are at the point where uh, if Ruggs had come out you know, like five years ago, basically like if he had been Philip Dorsett, something like that. Um, like Dorsett dropped so far down rookie rankings and like in drafts. Uh, I think in like, they're just different players, but, uh, I think like the analytics community has come around enough to the idea of like knowing that, uh, it doesn't know everything. Right. And that like, it knows it can't put rugs too far down because he has everything else that the analytics community does value like age and draft position, the physical profile. Like, so, you know, but, but I do feel that it's kind of like begrudging. Like I, I think the analytics community wants, it wants to bury rugs in the middle of the second round in its rankings and it wants rugs to fail.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I could, I could see that, um, but I think for me, a lot of this goes back to to context, which I think maybe is part of the problem here, right? Because like I said earlier, um, to me, it's just kind of like you look at this whole profile and I don't really think it's that bad. So, I mean, I guess I'm more so on your side than you, but yeah, the analytics community I can see. Now, the interesting thing though um, is... If you're looking for players that kind of have that speed like he does and then have this production and you do a search for that, you don't really get the best results, which might be one of the things which yeah, actually would kind of speak to you here, because if you build a model, right, a player like Ruggs is not going to do as well as some of these other players. Um, So that's definitely a problem, you know, in the analytics view here. I'm kind of rambling on that. But my final point here is I think I agree with you. Okay. Okay.
0: And I mean, like I I'm I'm with the analytics group like all the time, except this is like
1: the one area where I diverge. OK. All right. Uh, can we now talk about Chase Claypool? Yes. OK. So we know yes. Chase Claypool, an insane athletic profile, did not have much of a resume really until his senior year at Notre Dame. And actually, I've been thinking about who to use. So I wanted to have a scale of one to 10 with a 10 being like a Calvin Johnson. I wanted an example of a nine. I went with A.J. Brown, but then I questioned really. Last year, what would we have said AJ Brown's profile, you know, really equated to on a scale from one to 10? Just to give us a barometer here, give me a player that you think is like a nine. Then I want to know where you have Chase Claypool on this scale. Um,
0: Vincent Jackson, I think, is a nine, and Chase Claypool is a nine.
1: Uh, I'm gonna have you give us another example because I think Vincent Jackson's going back a while. There might not be people that familiar with you know what his profile was coming to school. Okay. Uh.
0: Well, Vincent Jackson is, is the <laughs> perfect comp because he is basically exactly Chase Claypool. Yeah. But uh, if I have to think of someone else, uh, we could go with uh like DK Metcalf. Okay. Who I would say is uh. Is a nine okay, and I would say Chase Claypool is like a bigger version of DK Metcalf.
1: Okay, so this is really interesting, right? So if you're putting Chase Claypool into nine, where does that put Henry Ruggs? I mean, Henry
0: Ruggs is Henry Ruggs is different just because he's a different type of receiver, like because he, he's smaller. But I would say. Like, uh, if you're looking at small receivers, he's a ten. Okay. If you're just kind of trying to come up with a number that fits all receivers, I would say I tend to prefer the bigger receivers to the smaller receivers. So I would knock Rugs down a little bit. I'd say he's like an eight or a okay. seven and a
1: half. Um. So. In a ranking here in this class then, so is Claypool, if you're ranking him that aggressively, he really should for you then be like you're like fifth receiver in rankings. But the problem really, I think, is going to be the draft position.
0: Well, no, because, I mean, the ranking, sorry, let me rephrase this. Are we ranking just his physicality? Is that what we're ranking?
1: No, I'm talking about the... the- the player as a whole here.
0: Oh, the actual player. The okay, actual player. I thought yeah. we were talking about him just in terms of like the, the physical. Oh, okay.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no. The physical prospect is insane. You know, I mean, I, okay. I agree with all of those things that you said there. I'm just trying to get a sense of. Okay. We know that so, about him, but there's other things missing. Like I said, you know, okay. not much of a resume right. till the senior year. So how does that factor okay. into your overall view of him?
0: Yeah. So that doesn't bother me quite as much. Um, but, uh, he's in, I would say there's like a third tier. Uh, so the top tier is, I think I have it just Judy and lamb. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I have kind of like a half tier, like a transitionary tier. That's I'd say Jefferson and rugs. And then under that I have like Mims, Higgins, Iuke, and rager mm-hmm. and then after that i would say there's like this third tier that has michael pittman jr yep chase claypool and lavisca chenault
1: yeah that's that's more or less what i have i i think i have i, I actually also kind of like tyler johnson um so i actually have him in that grouping with chenault yeah
0: I, when do you think he gets drafted uh,
1: probably not till after those guys to be honest Yeah, so I
0: think it's third round at the most, or like I was gonna say probably. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be third or fourth. I think fourth round is more realistic, maybe even fifth round.
1: Yeah, that's possible. So, um, shoot, I forget where I was going with this. Um, Asking about Chase Claypool and where I rank him. Oh, right. Yes. So then, where does Claypool fall for you? Um.
0: So like in that third tier of receivers, and that would okay. So he is in there with those guys. Yeah, he's with Pittman and Lavisca Chenault, and like Rager is kind of a transitionary receiver. Like I could put him in that third tier, or I could put him up in the second tier with Mims, Higgins, and Ayuk. It just kind of depends on where he's drafted.
1: Yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense. Okay, so. We 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 have placed Claypool kind of in rankings for you here. We've talked about some of those guys. Um, Let's talk about your favorite of the less hyped players. And I think that even some of those names in your third tier could kind of fall into there. But of the, you know, outside of the Lambs, Judy's rugs, do you have a favorite player um, or somebody that you think is not getting enough attention that we have not talked about yet?
0: Uh, I like Michael Pittman uh, a decent amount. Uh, I also like LaVisca I It doesn't bother me that he ran a 4.58 at the mm-hmm. Combine. I still think he's intriguing. Um, but, uh, you know, out of the kind of later wide receivers, there are a few that catch my eye. Um, I do like Lynn Bowden Jr. Okay. Um, and he's, he's like my type of receiver like a a guy who it's like oh he got all of his production running the ball and he's a wide receiver like sign me up for that <laughs> um and antonio gibson is also kind of in that weird category of like is he a wide receiver is he a running back right like very similar like you know classic memphis sort of tweener backup player um you know like is he is he going to go in the third round and the fourth round, like he's just, he's intriguing. We just kind of have to see, but you know, a guy who runs a 4.39 at 228 pounds, like I'm going to be interested in him. Um, So those guys intrigue me. And I think they probably belong in the second round of rookie drafts, like whether or not they're actually going there. I think that's kind of where they belong. And then someone later is uh Devin DuVernay, uh wide receiver out of Texas. Uh Like 200 pounds, 5'10. So, kind of built a little more like a smaller running back, but has a 4.39 40. Didn't really do much until his senior season, you know, like some of the other guys we've talked about. But, uh, you know, four star recruit. Um, He intrigues me. Like, if I'll be curious to see what happens with him, if he goes in the third round or if he's more of a fourth or fifth
1: round guy. Yeah, certainly. Um, I had one more question lined up for you. Uh, here which is out of the top seven or so players so maybe let's just extend that to your third tier that you gave us out of the all of those players you know first to third tier who is the most likely to be a bust so maybe we actually need to go your first and second tier to make it a little bit more interesting (laughs) rugs (laughs) rugs yeah probably
0: probably rugs um but uh yeah. I mean, I think there's also a case to be made for like Mims and Higgins and Iuke. I could see how all of them bust. Yeah. And like the same, the same with Rager, I guess you're asking me to make more of a definitive stance on it. Um, I think Mims out of that second tier is the one I think would maybe be likeliest to bust. Mm-hmm. Like he's the, he's the oldest. He's 23. um, you know, he's not like the crispest route runner. Um, he's like Ayuk, there's, they're similarly sized Mims is obviously a better athlete, but like Ayuk is, uh, like much better with the ball in his hands. Like he's a really good after the catch runner. He's, uh, very good at returning punts and kicks, you know, like, I think he just kind of has a more well-rounded skill set Uh, Higgins is a 21 year old Clemson receiver who had a lot of production. Like, I'm just never going to fade a guy like that. Uh, so, you know, I think Mims, uh, is a little more boomer bust. Um, and then like Rager, he makes me nervous. Like, I, I hate to say that, but like, he does really make me nervous. Um, you know, with the regression, uh, in his final season at TCU, but I don't know. He's a 21 year old who had good production as a sophomore and has really good athleticism. And we just have to see if he's a first rounder or a second rounder.
1: Yeah. Like you, I I have a fair amount of concerns over him. Um, But I do end up actually having him ranked fairly high because there is a lot that you can like, especially you know an early breakout at 19. You know, pretty good 40. You know four four seven, not the greatest time, but still um you know in an acceptable range um k j. Hamler, the final player I want to talk about here, very strong reception percentage used a little bit differently than some of these other players. I could see him kind of being for lack of a better way to describe it, maybe more of like a role player in a team's receiving core um has he attracted any of your attention really It's hard.
0: Because we don't really know how fast he is, because he didn't run at the combine. And uh, but you know, redshirt sophomore who's twenty one years old and was a four star recruit. Like he could have, like he could be the rugs arbitrage. Yeah, you know, like instead of going with rugs, you just go with KJ Hamler, and maybe Hamler actually has a better (laughs) career than rugs. Yeah, like that. That could actually happen.
1: It's tough with him too, because you know he is does only weigh one seventy eight shorter receiver, so it doesn't have the size um like some of these other players, but that is kind of an interesting point there on the on the runs arbitrage. He's
0: he's T. Y. Hilton size. Yeah. You know, like that's that's what he is. And so like the question is, does he have T. Y. Hilton speed? And uh he didn't really show in college, at least like T. Y. Hilton kind of production. So it is just it is hard to know. But he's you know, he's only twenty one years old. Um, you know, and like he did like they did use him quite a bit as a punt returner and kick returner. Like he, I don't know. I mean, he was okay there. He never like took one back for a touchdown, but he was fine there. And, you know, he did have some rushing production. So like he is, he is intriguing, you know, like he could be sort of like Meikle Hardman a little bit where he's just, he's young, he's highly recruited, he's versatile. Maybe he gets with the right kind of team and they unleash him. I But it's just so hard to know because we really do not know how fast he is.
1: Yeah. All right. I actually do have one more question for you. This is which probably should be a simple one, but I could see you needing to to deliberate over it. This <laughs> okay. class, the wide receiver class this year, the running back class this year, which one top to bottom is the stronger class?
0: A wide receiver. I, I think really pretty cleanly it's wide receiver. Yeah. The running back group is strong in the top six, maybe top seven, but it's just a cliff after that. Um, but the the top six, top twelve in this Group like they are—they're really good. I don't think they're the tops, the best top six or best top twelve ever. I would say that still belongs to two thousand and fourteen, but it's a really super deep class. So in the third round, you should probably still be able to find a wide receiver who has you know like the potential to be a starter in your fantasy lineup. You know, two or three years from now. Like this is a really good class for wide receiver.
1: Yep. That does it for this episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and MattFTheOracle. Thanks to BetOnline for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.